Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, lovely ladies. So good to be with you again. And I wonder where I am talking to I know that so many are listening over USA, but I know that many of you are listening in different countries too. And I'm so glad that I can get to speak to you all over the world. I'd love you to drop me a note if you get time, just a little email. And my email is nancy at org. And if you live in a different country, uh, just drop me a line and tell me where you are listening. I'd love to hear that. It would be so exciting. It reminds me of so many of the letters in the New Testament and of how Paul and even Peter wrote to the saints in so many different places. In First Peter chapter 1, it says, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Wow, they were just all over the empire. And uh, Peter was writing to them all. And so I hope I'm speaking to lots of you in different countries today. By the way, have any of you ever traveled and been to Cappadocia? Uh, this, uh, we visited this country or this part of a country uh, when we were taking a tour to Israel and then on to other countries. And we went on to Turkey. And Cappadocia is away out in the middle of Turkey. It's the most interesting country that I have ever been to in my whole life. When you go out there, it's like you are walking onto the moon. And it has all these cone-like structures just coming up everywhere. There's no normal land of just grass fields. It's just all these cone-like structures. And, and people lived in these structures. They dug out their homes from them. And they even dug out underground cities. And it was to Cappadocia that a lot of the Christians fled to hide from persecution. A most interesting place. But then Peter goes on to give his salutation to the people. And I love what he says, and I'd like to make it my salutation to you today. I'd love to read it from the Passion Translation. And it says, You are not forgotten. He was talking to those in many different places, and just as I'm talking to you in many different places today, you are not forgotten. You have been chosen and destined by Father God. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. 
obedient followers of Jesus Christ who have been gloriously sprinkled with his blood. May God's delightful peace cascade over you many times over. And that's my prayer for you, that God's peace and his love and his joy and his rest will cascade over you all throughout this day and all throughout this week. I bless you in the name of Jesus. But let's go back to the King James Version because we see here, I'll read it again, and we notice something wonderful in this scripture. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Holy Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Did you notice there that the Father God and Jesus Christ the Son who is God and the Holy Spirit who is God are all mentioned there in revealing the plan of salvation. Each one in the triune Godhead took part in salvation. Isn't that amazing? So wonderful. This last week when we were having family devotions in our home, and this is my favorite part of the day, every morning and every evening, Colin reads the word to us. Of course, he asks questions and we discuss it together and then we pray. But I was taken by a scripture he read this last week and it's in John chapter 20 verse 17 and Jesus was talking to his disciples it was getting near to the time he was going to return to his father in heaven and he said these words he said um, I think I have written them down here or I'll just have to turn to them um, let's see did I write them down um, I don't think I did, so I'm just going to turn to it so I get it correct for you. John uh, 20, 17. And uh, let's see. Yes. And he said, Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. I was captivated by those words. How amazing that Jesus, who was the beloved son of his father, I mean, he had this most beautiful relationship, the greatest father-son relationship in the whole of the world, of course, is the father with his beloved son. There is no greater relationship. And yet, our beloved father, because if he is the beloved son, the father is the beloved father, our beloved father was willing to give up his 
beloved son and send him into this world to not only visit this world and say hi, but no, to lay down his life, to give his life, to shed his blood so that we could have salvation and we could be redeemed and so that we could be his beloved daughters. Isn't that amazing? And so Jesus shares his father with us. I wonder, would you like to share your father with someone else? I had a wonderful father, and I was blessed to grow up with a beautiful father-daughter relationship. Uh, But I don't know whether I would want to share my father with the world. Um, He was my father. And yet, Jesus was willing to share his father with us. Isn't that wonderful? Not only to do that, but to die so that we could have this wonderful blessing of knowing God as our Father, just as Jesus knows him as his Father. I wonder if you know uh, the Father in this way. Is he your intimate friend? He is your dearest, precious Father. I know that some of you may have not had a good father relationship as you were growing up and that can affect your own relationship with God, the Father himself. But dear precious ones today, I want to encourage you that Jesus is sharing his father with you and he is the ultimate father. And even if you haven't known what fatherhood is like because of your experience, you can know what fatherhood is like because God will reveal himself to you as a father. Maybe I can pray for you now. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I pray for any precious mother daughter today who has not experienced a good father relationship. Father, I pray that you will put your loving arms around them. You will gather them in your arms. You will draw them to yourself and you will show them that you are there for them, that you are their beloved father, that this is who you want to be to them. I pray that you will manifest yourself as father to them and they will know the anointing and preciousness of fatherhood in their lives. I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Another scripture that was in our that same daily reading this last week in our family devotions was in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 15, where it says, For this reason, this is Paul praying, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and in earth is named. And the actual meaning of that in, it means also, and from whom all derive their source. All fatherhood on earth 
and any fatherhood in heaven, it doesn't matter where it is, it derives its source, its origin from God, our Father. In fact, we can't even have family without fatherhood because the, the seed of life comes from the Father. He is the origin of family. And a family is a father and a mother and children. All are needed. Of course, you know that. But I am saying it again today because we are now living in such a deceived society where women are trying to put down manhood, fatherhood. That word, uh, family, that every family finds its source in the Father God, that word in the Greek is patria. And it just means uh, paternal. It comes from the word father. And the Greek word for father is pater. And so family comes from father. That's its origin. And uh, isn't it sad, dear ladies, that we are living in a day when so many are rejecting fatherhood, the rejecting patriarchy, which just means it's a scary word in our society today. Um, I have been asked to be um, interviewed on TV and on an, quite a number of occasions. And when I've been interviewed on TV or radio uh, by the secular world, it's amazing. They never fail to come up with this question. And what do you think about patriarchy? And of course, when they say that word, they are thinking of men who are tyrants and who are keeping their wives in subjection and have lording it over everyone in the family. And they just have this terrible picture in their minds of patriarchy. And it's the man lording over everyone. But that's not the Bible picture of patriarchy. Patriarchy is fatherhood. It's the picture of the beloved father and his beloved son. It's fatherhood and family. But of course, we know that many times that picture is true of the tyrant. There are families where that happens because... Satan hates fatherhood. Every plan of God that God has planned for us, which is for our blessing, for our highest happiness, Satan hates and he seeks to distort it and to bring it down. And so he tries to bring down fatherhood. He tries to bring down motherhood. But it's not, we cannot uh, reject fatherhood and motherhood because of that. It, it, we have to acknowledge that it is Satan who is distorting these beautiful roles. In fact, if we go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, when God first created the man, then later he created the woman, and uh, then he brought the woman to the man. And at that beautiful moment, God said these words, Wherefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
Now, this is the very first reference to father and to mother in the word of God. It's right back there at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. But, dear ladies, uh, did you read about, apart from reading about it, where was the father and mother? There was no father and mother at that wedding ceremony that day. There was no father and mother in sight. Adam and Eve had never heard of a father or mother. What's a father or mother? I don't know. But do you see something amazing? God was establishing his plan right at the very beginning before any person had ever seen a father or mother. God spoke about his plan because all God's plans are perfect. All his ways are perfect. We sing that beautiful worship song. The ways of the Lord are perfect. And every word of God has been tried. Psalm chapter 12 verse 6 says, The word of the Lord is pure. Tried, I mean, purified in the furnace seven times. And God's plan is is glorious and it's perfect. And he established it before we ever saw it. That's the importance of fatherhood and motherhood. It was spoken about before anything else. And so this establishment of the family, of father, of mother, it was the thing that God established before he ever talked about the church, before he ever talked about government, before he ever talked about all the other things which we experience today. It starts with father and mother. We even see a picture of the family in the triune God. We have our father God. We have the son who is also God. And then we have the Holy Spirit, who is also God. Now, the Holy Spirit is never, ever um, mentioned as a mother in the Bible. But we do see that picture over the working of the Holy Spirit. We go back to Genesis chapter 1 and we read how that the Spirit brooded like a hen broods over her chicks. He brooded over the waters. We go to the New Testament and we see that he is called the comforter and the one who comes alongside. And so we see this beautiful picture even in the Godhead. And that's the picture. It's not half a family with just a mother and a child. No, it's a family, father, mother, children. And it is so sad that we are living in a day when fatherhood is being trodden down. It is sad because God has created the father to be the head of the family. Oh, feminists hate it when you say that. Even so-called feminists in the church. I, I don't like to hear the word, I'm a Christian feminist. I don't really think they go together because they don't like to embrace that the father is the head of the family. But we see that in the Godhead. 
God himself is, uh, like Ephesians 4, verse 6 says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He is above all. He is the head. And God in his plan, and God's plans are best, no matter what we think, his plans are the best plans, and he created the male as head of the family. Now, relax. Of course, that doesn't mean to say that he lords it over the family. No, because the word of God plainly reveals that all his creation are equal, both male and female, are equal in value, equal in worth, uh, equal in every way. But we have different functions. And even in our functions, God has created the male to be the head, the protecting, providing, loving, leading head. Now we see this in a number of ways as we go right back uh, to the beginning. And we see, number one, that the man was created first, then the woman. God didn't even create them both at the same time. I wonder why he could have done that. But no, God in his plan, in the way he chooses, because God chooses what he will do, because God is God. I think, don't you ladies, we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to stop thinking that we are God and uh, that this is the way we would have done it. We have to relinquish to God that he is God. He is Lord over Lord. He is omniscient. He knows all things. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Uh, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omnibenevolent. He is a good and kind and loving God. And this God is the only wise God. Three times in the New Testament, it states these words, to God only wise. He is the only one who is truly wise. Yes, God gives godly wisdom to man, but he is the only one who has ultimate wisdom. None of us can ever truly know like God knows. He knows from the, the beginning to the end, and therefore he can make the right decisions because he knows what is going to happen. He has the whole future in his hands. He knows everything that is going to happen from this moment on. Uh, well, not to the end of time because end of time on earth, but all eternity. And this is our God. So how can we uh, just go against his plans? I uh, think of, I think I wrote down here. Let's have a look if I wrote these scriptures. Because they're such powerful scriptures. And uh, yes, oh, I love this scripture. Proverbs 21.30. No wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel can avail against the Lord. No matter what argument someone puts up, 
no matter what they think, it can't stand against God's plans, for his plans are best. I love Psalm 3311. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And when God created male and female in the beginning, when he established the plan, when at the very beginning he talked about father and mother, before we'd ever seen a father and mother on earth, he was establishing his counsel, and it stands forever. That's what the word says. We either believe the Bible or we don't. His counsel stands forever to the thoughts of his heart to all generations right up till now this very generation in 2018 it stands forever it's as relevant today as it was then so secondly we see that God uh, caused Adam to represent the human race in 1 Corinthians 15:22 it says uh, that as in Adam all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now we all know that when Adam and Eve sinned that then sin came into being. But God doesn't say okay it was the problem with Adam and Eve no he says Adam. Adam is the one who represents the human race. Thirdly, Adam was given the responsibility to name Eve and when someone names another person or names even an animal, Adam named the animals and he had authority over them. Uh, God also gave him the privilege to name Eve and uh, once again that doesn't give him the uh, the option to lord over her, but he is her head, her beautiful protective covering. Fourthly, uh, God called the man and the woman Adam. Uh, he didn't say Adam and Eve. We go back to uh, Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Male and female created he them and he blessed them and he named them male it says Adam in the King James Version but actually the word just means man and he named them man when they were created both were created totally equal both created to have worth and uh, that both were created special. In fact, God left the creating of the woman until last. He was her final and most blessed creation of all. She was the one who was left to his last special, amazing creation. I remember reading a quote about this. I wonder if I could find it here. Oh yes, this was written by uh, Richard Hellman. 
And he says, God's glorious creation began with things such as dirt. Well, actually, isn't it interesting? How was Adam created? Out of the dust of the earth. How were the animals created? Out of the dust of the earth. How was Eve created? Dear ladies, she was not created from the dust of the earth? No. How about that? God took her out of Adam, out of an existing creation. She didn't even touch the dust of the earth. Anyway, this quote goes on to say, uh, yes, God's glorious creation begins with things such as dirt, then vegetation, then animals. It, but it just kept getting better and better. God then created his great love interest, his adopted children, human beings. Yet man was created only second to last. Woman is the crescendo, the last and greatest of all God's creation. God has created nothing more beautiful, more loving, more tender-hearted, more nurturing. That is why women are perfectly positioned to be wife and mother. And because women are the pinnacle of all God's creations. And so, uh, there we see that although she was left to this last glorious creation that God still called man and the wife, he called them man, just because there was in God's eyes a headship, because there is in God's heart headship even in the Trinity. There is no difference of worth between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Each one is equally God and each one has different functions but they are equally God and yet part of the function of the father is to be the head as it is with men and yet feminists hate this truth they hate this word do you remember recently uh, when there was the battle for uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh to be come to the Supreme Court that the Hawaiian senator uh, she stood up and she said to all the men of this country just shut up and this was coming from the leadership of our land telling our men to shut up they don't have a voice it's we women who have the voice but that's not God that's not his plan okay Number five, God created the man accountable. In Genesis 3, 9, after Eve had sinned and then she had also uh, gave the fruit to Adam, God came into the garden, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as he did, for he loved to come and talk with Adam and with Eve. He loved fellowship with them. That's why he created man, because he loves our fellowship. But when he came into the Eve, to the garden, of course he knew what had happened, but he called out, and what did he say? 
Adam, where are you? He didn't say, Adam and Eve, where are you? No, Adam, where are you? God held Adam accountable for Eve's sin because his responsibility as her head was to be her protector, to to keep her from that sin, to protect her and woo her away. And so God came to Adam. He was the one who was held responsible. Number six, when God said he was going to make someone for Adam, what did he call her? He said, I'm going to make a helpmeet. The words in the Hebrew are two words again, Aza Konegdo. And the word Aza in the Hebrew simply means helper. Helper. No, he didn't say, Adam, I'm going to make you a leader. She'll be the one who'll direct you and show you the way to go. No, he didn't say those words, ladies. He said, I will make you a helper. Now, don't get too sad. Helper is not an insignificant word, ladies. No, we are not insignificant because God made us a helper. Did you know that that very same Hebrew word, Aza, spelt E-Z-E-R, is a word that's also used to describe our God. God, who is our help and our shield. It's the same word. It's an attribute of God. And as helper to a husband, we are being God-like. Oh, yes, he cannot do without us. He cannot do without our help. And the next word is connecto, which means uh, corresponding to. In other words, God created each one of us differently, uniquely, specially. We are not the same. We're not the same. But with our differences, we just dovetail tail together. As we come together, we're made one. You can think of this little picture of a seatbelt. I'm sorry, it's such a very basic picture. But when you put a seatbelt together and it clicks, the two parts are not the same. If they were the same, they would not fit together. Each one is different. And so therefore, they become one. They become one precious ladies, one. God could not make two the same to make them one. And God's plan and purpose for marriage is that we be one. One flesh and also one in spirit and mind and heart. Yes, one. But we have to be different to be one. It's also, take another very basic picture uh, of a a puzzle. When you're fitting one piece of a puzzle into the other, you can't find two that are the same shape. If you do, they won't fit. You can put it on top of the other, and that's not God's plan. His plan is not for for the husband to be just on top of the wife. No, 
He's the head who is leading her. And it's not his plan for the wife to be on top of the husband. Opposite. Absolutely opposite. And so we are different. Isn't that amazing? Connecto. Corresponding to. We're different. But we just come together and we fit. Oh, praise the Lord. God's ways are so wonderful. And uh, so he created the man to be the leader and for the wife to be the helper. But both positions are powerful and none is less than the other. Well, darling ladies, time has gone again and I've got a couple more points. So I'll talk about them next week. But let me pray for you. Dearest Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And I want to pray for every mother and daughter and grandmother listening today. I pray that your truth will go into their hearts and they will receive it from you, Father. Help us to receive your divine truth from you, not to listen to the ways of the world. They can sound good, they can sound wise, but they're not your ways. Lord, you laugh at the foolishness of the wise. Oh, God, it's just foolishness to you, for you are the only wise God. Help us to be those, Lord, who hear your counsel. Help us to embrace who you created us to be. Help us to release our husbands to be who you created them to be. For when we do that, we will dovetail together. We will truly be one. Father, I pray for the husbands, oh God, of every wife that, we're, that is listening today. I pray for these men. Father, men have been so put down in our society today. Their role has been downtrodden. I pray that you will lift them up, Lord God. Lift them up into all the glory. The glory, the glory and the status that you have given them. Oh God, not to be tyrants over their homes, but to be loving, serving leaders providing, protecting, protecting, gathering their families around them and under their wings. Oh, God, I pray that you'll raise up the anointing of fatherhood uh, in the home of everyone listening today. I pray that you'll raise up the anointing of fatherhood in this nation and in the nations of the world. I pray, oh God, that you will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and to their families. Oh God, that they will come back, Father, in the midst of this deceived generation. You will give them a revelation of who they are and they will return, oh God, to your plan, which is for their glory and your glory and the glory of the nation. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.